What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA Show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. And present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Chicago everywhere, check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. This is, this is episode 226 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. Uh, I am Jason Goff, the voice that you maybe have heard. I know you've heard it before if you follow me on the, uh, the NFL shows uh, for the last couple of years. Every once in a while, I get a chance to hang out with the wonderful Christopher Sutton. Chris is uh, he's the owner of the best head of hair in, in the entire Ringer Nation. Okay, And I don't care who you want to throw out there. Chris is the man. So welcome into episode 226 of the full go podcast listen i happy opening day to everybody 
out there. You know, I know everybody's getting into their opening day vibes. Spring training was a little ho-hum for both sides of town here in the city of Chicago. But that's that's not the, the, the funniest thing that has happened or the most intriguing thing, I should say, that has happened uh, in the last couple of days since we potted last. I, I just got to get this out and we're going to get into some baseball stuff because, man, was uh was an entertaining day of baseball. But I, I y'all know me. Sometimes it comes from out of left field, but I, I just got to, I have to make mention of a couple of basketball things that have happened over the last couple of days here in the city of Chicago or concerning the city of Chicago. First of all, you know, not only was the Los Angeles Lakers Chicago Bulls game uh, upsetting on a, a couple of different fronts, you know, you got Nikola Vucevic comes out, scores 13 straight points and then only touches the ball twice in the second half. Uh, obviously the recognition issues that we've talked about all year long when it comes to the Bulls offense. Uh, they reared their ugly heads. Zach couldn't get into a, much of a rhythm, even though he shot well, 8 for 14 from the field. Couldn't get into much of a rhythm. Had foul trouble early on the first half. It didn't seem like he was as connected to the game as we've seen him in the month of March where he's been absolutely fantabulous, right? But man... Shout out to whoever was in the suites. And y'all know what I'm talking about. If you are in the city or around the city, there is a viral video going around of uh, uh, someone or a group of people who were in the, the United Center suites who invited a... Um, uh, a, a local community worker. Um, how should we say a, uh, uh, a, a, a I don't want to call her a sex worker, but uh, yeah, a stripper. Somebody ordered a stripper and had her come perform during the United Center's uh, Chicago Bulls event, and it is making its rounds around Black Chicago Twitter. Uh, I'm sure next week it'll make its way to everybody else, uh, but. You know, shout out to y'all for the first and last time y'all will ever be allowed in that suite. And uh, hopefully you enjoyed your time. Uh, we all enjoyed the video. I know that for sure. Uh, the young lady kept her clothes on throughout the video. So for anybody who's out there worried about the not safe for work aspect of it, uh, as a as an employee of NBC Sports Chicago, I do not endorse those kinds of shenanigans. But I also am a person who is not mad at stimulating the local economy. You know, we got another recession slash depression that's getting ready to hit us. I mean, the interest rates are ridiculous. You know, it costs $27 for a carton of eggs. I'm not mad if you, as whatever, you know, affiliation, which seemingly was a, a part of that situation, it was, you know, seemed like there was a, a community organization who had put that together, one of the local ones. Um, I don't know if they, I don't know what umbrella they fell under, but those gentlemen had some, some very, um, shall we say identifiable tattoos. So shout out to y'all for, um, you know, keeping it safe and keeping it fun as fun as possible. And shout out to the suites next to that suite as well. You know, cause if you're watching a bulls Lakers game where you see the, the bulls ignoring Nikola Vucevic on the floor and you got that going on to the left of you, like one of the guys got caught watching and then dancing on the glass with the young lady as well. So hopefully his relationship is still intact uh, after that, that video surfaces and hopefully he's employed as well um, because it would look like he was, hanging out with uh, some nefarious characters, even though I, I can't put that on those gentlemen and ladies who were partaking in the activity of uh, making sure that the local economy was stimulated. So shout out to that event, right? And then the other thing, I just got to... <laughs> 
This I have watched this 45 different times. It has made me laugh all 45. And if you're not familiar with the group Onyx from back in the day, you know, uh, Attack of the Ballheads, you know, shout out to to one of the great um, kind of like punk rock type of vibes or oh, heavy metal type of vibes, you know, that that they, they brought to to rap and to hip hop. I remember being in my grandmother's uh, East Orange, New Jersey house when the the Onyx tape first dropped, you know, and. You know, thinking about Sticky Fingers and Fredro Starr and, and and all those dudes who just came with a different kind of energy, right? But who would think, lo and behold, I mean, this was what, 92 to carry the one, about 31 years ago that I'm talking about this. 32 years ago, somewhere around there, th- at least three decades ago, that I'm talking about being in East Orange, New Jersey, and hearing Onyx for the first time, going and getting the tape from the local corner store, bringing it back, because Tretch actually lived around the corner. Tretch from Naughty by Nature, he lived. him and his family lived around the corner at that time from my grandmother. So anytime I would go, it was crazy, Chris. I would actually go from Chicago public schools uh, and then, obviously, to Evanston Public Schools, but from Chicago, then Evanston Public Schools to Belize to then either uh, East Orange, New Jersey or Philadelphia, Uh, you know, West Philly. All right. West Philly as my summer vacation. So I got to sample paradise and then get to the bricks immediately. But I got introduced to Onyx through those interactions. And lo and behold, three decades later, Fredro Starr of one, you know, Onyx representing the, the, the faction known as Onyx had this to say, ladies and gentlemen, about, about Michael Jordan and how the haircut came about. Let's give it a listen. Michael Jordan cut his hair because of us. Huh? Michael Jordan cut his hair bald because of Onyx. Because of Onyx. Get out of here. Do the knowledge, nigga. Let me tell y'all something right now. I love hip-hop music. I love rappers to the day that I die. They are the soap opera slash uh, wrestling characters that I never knew I needed until I turned six, seven years old and realized I fell in love with this music. And it is the gift that keeps on giving. You mean to tell me the same Michael Jordan who we saw during the last doc- last dance documentary uh, who, who, uh, who was getting ready to play off killer mode to Kenny Lattimore in the back of a bus. You mean to tell me that same dude cut his hair because of Onyx and an attack of the ball heads revolution. Now I know about Michael Jordan's uh, disdain for hip hop music and rap. Many rappers have, have told stories. Red man has told a story about how Michael Jordan disrespected him in, 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 a, in, a, in an instance, if I'm not mistaken, Noriega of the drink champs podcast has told this story several times about Michael Jordan, not giving a shit about rappers or hip hop music. And I think Michael has kind of, you know, it Mike's in that weird um, age range because I deal with it with Kendall Gill in, in the pre and post game show situation I'm almost on a nightly basis where anytime I bring up hip hop, they're in that age range of like the the 
plus 50 year old brothers, you know, 52, 53 to 60 year old who they got hyped to R&B, right? Like they got hyped to Luther and they got hyped to Kenny Lattimore and, 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 and Peebo Bryson and Teddy Pendergrass and motherfuckers like that. So there's like a, like a 10 year cutoff of, okay, hip hop music is now the takeover. Like I remember 88, 89, I remember the fight, the power video and how it changed my life watching public enemy do what they did in bedford stuyvesant you know in the bedford stuyvesant section of brooklyn new york and thinking damn like look at this movement like look at the power that they have michael jordan was already in the league four or five years at that point so you know we're talking about really hip-hop exploding onto the scene if michael jordan of all the acts that hip-hop presented from the time that he came into the league until the time he went bald if michael jordan chose to finally cut his hair because of onyx let me tell y'all something right now that's a win for lebron james i don't care how y'all feel about it i don't care you can text me y'all can y'all can tweet me y'all can jump in any group chat that y'all want if that is y'all king and he's changing his whole steez his whole presentation his whole marketing like mike with hair he was selling chevy blazers and mcdonald's sandwiches and shit and then all of a sudden he heard an onyx tape or he heard slam and was like yo they gotta go it's time for me to come on home nah man i'm not buying it i don't believe fredro star i just wouldn't sell him to his face to be honest with you because fredro's you know He's, he's an intense brother. But if this is true, and I want to believe it's true, oh, 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 you can have your 6-0 and in the finals all you want. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> there is a new king that has been crowned. <laughs> and I know all of you are getting mad right now and, and, and you know, typing up your, your hate mail and sending it to the ringer or sending it to Spotify. You can stay mad. You can get mad. I just thought that that was the most hilarious thing that I've seen in the last couple of days. I can't stop listening to it. And I can't stop thinking about the fact that one of the greatest figures in American history, right? Not just sports figures, but one of the greatest figures in American history. It came down to a trademark moment where he just looked in the mirror while Slam was playing in the background and said, you know what? Nothing has changed my mind about hip-hop music until now. This is the beginning of something. I'm going to cut this hair, and I'm going to be a part, an honorary member of the Ball Heads, the Attack of the Ball Heads revolution, brought on by Onyx and their hit single, Slam. So do it at what you will, Jordan fans, but be careful. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, it's Len Casper, the radio voice of the White Sox. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. All right, now that we've gotten that out the way, uh, happy opening day to everybody out there. Uh, I know it is a, a spiritual, um, romanticized, uh, 
you know, pageantry-laden day for a lot of sports fans out there. I, I know what baseball means to people, not only in this country, obviously, but people in this city. And Cubs fans who, generation after generation, you know, looked forward to 2016, and it finally came, uh, being being a part of not only that coverage, but a part of that celebration out in Grant Park is something that I will never forget. Uh, obviously, the 05 White Sox and and, and what that meant to me. Uh, and what it what it meant to a lot of White Sox fans, and what these last couple of uh, these last couple of years have been in this city when it comes to Chicago baseball, you know the rebuild of the white uh, of the uh, the Chicago Cubs, and of course the stumbling last year of the uh, Chicago White Sox. Man, let me tell you this right now. I look forward to baseball season every single year because one, as a kid, like I just mentioned. I, during the summer, I was usually in Belize. So WGN was a huge part of my upbringing and being able to get the Superstation in another world, pretty much, and still stay in touch with the Cubs and you know a few White Sox games here and there. It was important to me. It was my connection back home. And every opening day since I was 19, 20 years old, I've kind of been around or in the business or doing something for this industry, which is... You know, covering sports in this town. And the first time I ever day drank was Cubs opening day. My man, Matt Abaticola, when I first started working on the boards and Bernstein show, uh, there was a lot of firsts that is, that have happened because of opening day and a lot of firsts that have happened because of baseball. So I understand the importance of it. I trust me. I do. And I will say this for a sport that hasn't changed its rules enough over the past few decades to kind of keep up with the evolution of the consumer. Um, Man, have they added more anxiety to a game that was meant to be peaceful and kind of warm. You know, you kind of wash over you in terms of the summer day, just being outside for three hours and taking in a baseball game. There's a lot more anxiety involved, especially with all the rules changes and what's that what that is doing to players. And shout out to Marcus Stroman for being the first pitcher to have a a uh, pitch clock violation. And shout out to Rafael Devers, Boston Red Sox own, and you know, Bill Simmons. I'm sure is keeping an eye on it, and the Boston Pod as well. Uh, first hitter to have a pitch clock violation. The Cubs game. I got to be honest with you. Marcus Stroman did what he had to do. Dansby Swanson, three for four, an RBI double. He, you know, everybody was worried about Dansby Swanson at the beginning of spring training and throughout spring training because he didn't put up, he didn't put up great numbers at all. And especially with what the Cubs fans have gone through free agent wise in, in the past, you know, immediately thoughts of Jeff Blauser and guys like that come to mind where uh, guys are terrific against you and then you sign them and they're not too good. So, but I wasn't worried about that. I wasn't worried about Dansby Swanson not being a good player. I was worried about if he was healthy or not, the way that some of those numbers uh, rolled out of spring training, but wasn't worried about him not being good. So your, your, your free agent, biggest free agent acquisition in, in, in quite some time, uh, comes through at the plate. Marcus Stroman does what he has to do with a terrific defense behind him, gets a whole bunch of ground ball outs. Um, it, the formula was laid out for the Cubs to win, and they won their game four to nothing. But oh boy, was I looking forward to this evening's affair because Pedro Grafol and the Chicago White Sox had a lot to show and prove to a White Sox fan base that had to go through the 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 absolute gauntlet, the absolute um, day-by-day guillotine that was 
last season, a perfectly 500 season for an expectation laden team and, and an expectation filled fan base, to be honest with you. So coming into this year with Liam Hendricks battling non Hodgkin's lymphoma and uh, indefinitely being out and the bullpen by committee that, that reared its, I won't say ugly head, but read its concerning head at the end of this ball game. You're just looking to see a different White Sox ball t- club. And I got to be honest with you, you really didn't see a different White Sox ball club. And of course, we're going to have to get a bigger sample size than one game, right? Like you're going to have to get PDG out there for more than one game to see if some of the things that he was trying to take hold in spring training and the, and the fundamental way that they were going to uh, run the bases differently and hit cutoff men and do some of the things that got them beat last year. Those things were going to... Uh, to be cut out and they weren't, you know, there was two base running errors at third base that could have tilted this game into, in a different direction. Yes. The white Sox win Andrew Vaughn, uh, had himself. He played his redemption song after having a shaky game. Uh, but we still saw too many men left on base. Um, the seventh frame was, was excruciating for a couple of reasons. I think Pedro Grafol allowed Dylan Cease to go out there in the seventh inning when uh, I probably would have taken him out in the sixth. And, and let's, let's face it, Dylan Cease is arguably, because I asked on Twitter, Dylan Cease is arguably the most talented athlete in the city of Chicago. And if you're paying money to go see somebody, Dylan Cease is definitely in your top three or four in this city. Dylan Cease was fantastic. There was one point where he retired 19 batters in a row. And we're talking about the Houston Astros now. And and, and they've added Jose Abreu to that lineup. So you're talking about Alex Bregman. You're talking about Kyle Tucker. You're talking about Jordan Alvarez. Now you're talking about Jose Abreu. Of course, there's no Jose Altuve because of the injury in the World Baseball Classic. And maybe just maybe the World Baseball Classic dinged up the Houston Astros more than we realized because Ryan Presley at the end of the game looked shaky as well. I mean, Roger Clemens, who you know, still don't know how that thing's going to work out in the, in the uh, broadcast booth. But Roger Clemens pointed out that Ryan Presley, even after his warm-up pitches on the mound, when he, when he entered the game, was shaking that right arm out for whatever reason. And that's not something that he had seen him do in film before. So it was obviously there, there was some strain or there was some, some cramping or whatever the case may be. There was some discomfort that he was visibly showing out there. And if he could, if Roger Clemens in the booth could see it, then, you know, Maldonado behind the plate could see it. Then, you know, Dusty Baker could see it. And the, the White Sox took advantage of it. The White Sox took advantage of him. And I, I'll say this, you know, <laughs> Valdez is as nasty as it gets in terms of ground ball pitchers, 96 mile an hour sinker after sinker after sinker. He was matching Dylan Cease, but Dylan Cease was extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary in his first start. Um, you know, by my count, it was nine strikeouts. I don't know what he finished with, but, you know, there was, at, at one point he had nine strikeouts. The dude slider is phenomenal. It's the best pitch, arguably, in all of baseball. That and Shohei Otani sweeper, you know, you're talking about one-two. And then after that, you're getting into Edwin Diaz's slider and some other pitches. But in terms of just pound for pound, best pitch in the game, his slider is phenomenal. And it was his second best pitch. I thought at certain points of the night, it was his third best pitch. His curveball was, he didn't pull it out often. But when he did, it was amazing. And also the fact that he was calling his own game. You know, you got the pitch comms now that are on the, the pitcher's glove this year. And He's seemingly pressing that button, looking up and getting ready to rock. 
But everything, top to bottom about the game, I, I enjoyed. Even the men being left on base, even, you know, Elvis Andrews getting, I hate the contact play. Don't get me started on the contact play. It takes the instincts out of the runner's hands. It takes the IQ out of the game. It just turns your base runners into robots. And if you've got an instinctive and um, highly reactive and terrific fielding Alex Bregman in third base, he chops down a run at home. It stays, it stays a 0-0 game because of base running issues. And then Yohan Moncada hits a ball through the wickets of Jose Abreu at first base. Next thing you know, the ball rattles around in, 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 in right field. He isn't happy with a, uh, a double, an easy double, tries to stretch it to three, gets thrown out at third base. What happens next? Yasmani Grandal, who's one of the more patient hitters in all of Major League Baseball, had a horrible year last year, comes up and hits a bomb. It should be, it should be, a 2-1 ball game, but it's a 1-1 ball game because of the base running errors, right? And and some of the same stuff that we saw from last year where the middle of the lineup, and I know it's a terrific pitcher, but around the fourth or fifth inning, you could tell that Valdez was being seen a lot cleaner by the White Sox batters. They just couldn't scratch a run home. They had one hit with runners in scoring position this evening. One hit. Like, there were, there were uh, the last time I checked, there were like 13, 14 runners left on base. So they did what they had to do in the middle innings in touching uh, Valdez up, but they couldn't bring it on home and give credit to him for uh, getting out of jams or whatever you want to call it. But this is the White Sox team that, that we came to know and hate last year. And I kept tweeting about it. Last year didn't seem like it ended. It just seemed like this was game 163 of last year's season. So obviously Pedro Grifo is going to have a lot of time to clean up some of the stuff and you know work on some of the approaches at the plate. Uh, Eloy Jimenez, for whatever reason, looked overmatched until his final at bat. And you know if we go on, if we're talking about Eloy Jimenez and his weight, because obviously he ended the season a little puffy last year. Rick Hahn came out and said, "I need you to be around 245." He came in at 244. Let me tell y'all right now, if we're going to have a big Luther, little Luther conversation, you know, I mean, y'all know, you know, anybody who's around my age understands the conversation that black folks had back in the day. Who'd you like singing better? Big Luther, little Luther, right? You can take it to Oprah, big Oprah, small Oprah, whatever the case may be. There are certain people we fall in love with when they bigger and when they smaller, if they make any little misstep, we, hey man, it's the weight. You feel me? Remember, remember when Prince Fielder, before his neck injury, people were like, oh, he's, he's vegan now. And they're like, oh, okay. All right. I don't know how you, you're eating a lot of big vegetables then. You know, like, hey, Eloy, I don't know what happened, but the first two, three plate appearances, he looked overmatched. He looked absolutely overmatched. He looked like he had a slow bat, to be honest with you. So hopefully uh, Big Eloy uh, is, isn't, isn't, uh, isn't better than Little Eloy because you know I think this is a make-or-break season for Eloy Jimenez. But all in all, terrifically pitched game by Dylan Cease. Uh, Aaron Bummer came in there and does what, did what Aaron Bummer does, which is get behind batters and then make everything interesting. Had a wild pitch uh, you know, slider that got away from Yasmani Grandal to score to run uh, in, in, in a ball game that was nip and tuck the entire day. So I wasn't mad at any of it. I wasn't mad at any of it. I was highly entertained by opening day. Uh, still, still, you know, mildly perturbed about some of the things that I saw in terms of the outs at third base, but these are things that we'll hold. It's kind of like voting for somebody, right? If you tell me what I'm voting for, I'm going to hold you to it. Pedro Gafold told us this is what this team is not going to be. 
And on top of it, they're going to be smarter at the plate. They're going to not expand the strike zone and some of the other things that we saw. So I'm going to give them more than a one-game sample size, but please believe it was uh, it was reminiscent of some things that we've seen uh, in, the, in the previous 162-game campaign. So that's got to tighten up. But I know why y'all are here. Maybe the moment of the Major League Baseball season happened uh, the first pitch of the Astros-Sox game, right? It's kind of like where Daytona 500 is the Super Bowl of NASCAR races and they have it at the beginning of the year, you know, the lid lifter. Um, I don't know how many of the Houston Astros attendees or faithful or fans were prepared for Megan the Stallion throwing out the uh, first pitch, but uh, shout out to the masterful work. You talk about Emmy nominations. Shout out to the masterful work done by the ESPN cameraman uh, behind the plate waiting for the reception of the first pitch by one Megan the Stallion. Um, she is still a phenomenal entertainer, uh, I guess. Uh, and, you know, obviously with the recent legal news, you know, she's been in the news, right? With the Tory Lane situation. I'm glad she's feeling better from that. Such a traumatic um, incident. But uh, yeah, man, you know, the old white pants and the, the Houston Astros jersey, you know, tied up in a, in a little bit of a knot, you know, um, it was a good look for baseball. I'll, I'll say that. It was a very, very good look for baseball. I feel like you got some new fans, to be honest with you. I feel like some casuals will now gravitate towards the sport, hoping that they'll catch a glimpse of uh, their, their, their favorite uh, hip-hop or R&B diva in the future. And, and also, the, the production, like the, the presentation of baseball, it was like you could tell they weren't going for um, some of the regulars, shall we say. I, was, I saw a bunch of Dodge Ram commercials with ladies singing country music in the background and ladies driving Dodge Ram pickups. I'm like, all right, I see what you're doing. And then they played the I'm Different uh, 2 Chain song, like several different commercial breaks or like an inset in between pitches. So there's nothing like hearing 2 Chains and then all of a sudden you're hearing Roger Clemens and Carl Ravage. So shout out to whatever baseball is trying to do. They're speeding up the game they're they're bastardizing the game for all the gatekeepers and old heads of of baseballs yesteryear uh they got an mlb 2k new game out that i'm getting ready to buy my man matt ellis that i work with one of the uh production guys over at uh, nbc sports chicago tells me about the negro league feature and about how you can do challenges with um former negro league greats You know, and shout out to Bob Kendrick and everybody at the National uh, Negro League Museum. Uh, But um, yeah, man, how real is the game is what I'm asking. You know, are we (laughs) are we barnstorming? You know, are we we taking a a bunch of brothers on a bus up to New York and beating the shit out the Yankees and pretending like it never happened because they won't let us play? Huh? Are we getting those realistic jeers from the crowd? Oh, are, we, are we having people hit the, the hard ER? Uh, like, that's what I want to know. Remember EA Sports with the Madden games? Like, if it's in the game, it's in the game. I want to know, you know, did the show do, do it justice? Or is it like 42? You know what I'm talking about. Y'all watched that movie when Disney kind of tried to make racism feel cuddly. Yeah, like, like what are we doing here? 
I, I, am, am I hearing all the words? Am I, am I forced to, to, to drink at different drinking fountains, right? Am I, am I forced to dominate a sport with no attention? Like, I want to know how real is the Negro League feature in MLB The Show 23? That's what I want to know. Don't just show me Jazz Chisholm and, uh, and Derek Jeter playing the game, you know, online with each other. Show me, show me some of the, 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 you know, the realistic features, huh? You got Saturday your pages delivery down huh what other deliveries do you have down in that game so yeah man happy opening day to everybody i hope y'all enjoyed it i know i did you know shout out to megan the stallion shout out to the white Sox leaving runners on base shout out to bullpens by committee reynaldo lopez hey man it's been real i don't want to experience that again um and shout out to rick hahn for uh Whatever this season's going to be, because man is going to land squarely in his lap. You don't have Tony LaRusso anymore to blame, White Sox fans. Uh, there are a bunch of White Sox fans that made that very apparent to me, by the way. Couldn't wait to tell me, oh, no more Tony to blame. Like, all right, cool. But it wasn't like Tony was good. <laughs> like, it's the player's fault, and he's bad too. Like, both can be true. But baseball is here. Drink it in. And the emphasis is on drink, because no matter what, it's going to be a long summer. Time for some commercials. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer, and you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. You know, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. There's going to be some fantastic basketball being played. There are going to be name players name coaches. There are going to be uh, some, some scenes that I don't think we'll soon forget. Uh, I think there will be upsets in the offing. I think we are getting ready to see the coronation of one of the game's greatest. And I also, you can watch the NCAA men's Final Four as well. Yeah, 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 I know. The whole thing was set up. Um, I'm looking forward to the women's final four a lot more than the men's final four. And this isn't, you know, me pandering. Cause I know a lot of y'all are into that. It's not me pandering, but I gotta be honest with you this entire year. And especially this tournament, I know more players and no more. I know of more, I should say about the players and the special interests and the, personalities in the women's game than I do the male game. Like Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, UConn. I mean, Miami. Yeah, all right, cool. As opposed to Caitlin Clark going up against Juice, right? Dawn Staley, South Carolina Gamecocks head coach. OG, all-time great. Swag on a hundred thousand trillion, right? Caitlin Clark, absolutely fire on every level. The, the, the moment she touched down in Iowa City, I was like, oh, okay. You know, them, them 20s and 30s kept popping up. I'm like, oh, okay. This is something we're going to have to keep an eye on. And then you got Bayou Barbie and Kim Mulkey over at LSU, Right. You got the good brother Kenny at Virginia Tech telling people like, I know y'all ain't used to it, but we're number one seed and we're here for a damn reason, right? Like, I, I like the spice. I like the sauce. I like the personality of the women's game a lot more than I do the male game right now. 
me shout out to the the you know the, the my man from uh Gary, Indiana that's on Florida Atlantic. I forget his name now, but you know, Gary's close enough, so there's there's a local rooting interest there. Jim Laranega is a fun story about how well his career uh, like how under the radar his career has been in terms of just taking teams to the sweet 16 that people don't expect to be taken there in terms of basketball programs. But mm, UConn, San Diego state, like, eh, you know, whatevs, right. I mean, I probably shouldn't be saying what else, but it hasn't attracted me the way college basketball final fours usually do. And a lot of that is because you got two fives, a four and a nine. Like y'all can mess around and do this shit about the Cinderella's and how much you love the tournament and how much better it is than NBA basketball. Cut the fucking nonsense, man. Like after that, that upset shit is done for the first weekend, you want them out of your tournament. So you can see the name brand squads and the name brand talent make its way to the stage that you have pulled up a seat to. And that's what's happened in the women's game. That spread between South Carolina and Iowa, that's, you know, that's an 11 point spread. And damn, that's might be the best player in, in, that we've seen in college basketball in half a decade in Caitlin Clark, you know, Bayou Barbie files out of the game uh, in, in the elite eight round. Russell team picks her up. And they go on to make it to the final four. Kim Mulkey is out there dressing like a white female pimp every single game. Meanwhile, Dawn Staley is out here dressing like, you know, you know, your favorite promoter. Feel me? Like this, this is there's more spice, there's more pizzazz to it. And I'm gonna be real with you, it might be better shooting. Not, not might be, there is better shooting in the college women's basketball game than there is the college men's game. So something that has meant a lot to me and definitely when I was a kid because of the fat, what the fab five did for me as a child, like changing my outlook on sports and and changing the way and the the amount of comfort that I felt just being myself and listening to the music I listened to and dressing the way that I did because I saw five, 17, 18 year olds land on a campus in Ann Arbor, Michigan and take over the world. Yeah, I know they didn't win nothing, but man, they made an impact. They made an absolute impact more so than any Kansas team that I've ever viewed or, or, you know what I'm saying? Or any team that, that, you know, any, any Tyler Hansborough squad that I've ever seen, they made an impact. The final four meant something to me. And the fact that it it was one of the first events I got to cover professionally where I was like, Oh, this is, this is my life now. Like this is the gig, like getting a chance to go and cover UConn when it is San Antonio. The reason why I, have enjoyed and loved Carmelo Anthony's career so much because I got a chance to, to see it on the ground floor. I was in New Orleans the year that, that Carmelo Anthony and the Syracuse Orange won the national championship in a star-studded Final Four. On one hand, you had D-Wade and the Marquette team and TJ Ford and the Texas team. You had that Kansas squad with Nick Collison and, and Kirk Heinrich. And then you had Mello and Akeem Warwick and them boys and then being on the court for that and confetti's coming down and I'm trying to run around. And then all of a sudden I see Mello run over to his moms and hug his moms in the stands. Like that shit meant something to me. Like I was like, oh, I'm living my dream while watching these dudes realize their dream in such a, a, a you know, an iconic American moment every single year. That is the final four. That is the NCAA tournament. But as of late, the NCAA game for me has become unwatchable. So to get to a final four where you've got, you know, 
Carolina and Duke in it. Yeah, that, that means something. You got blue bloods who recruit a certain level of talent. You know that there's going to be a certain star power that's there, not only in the crowd, but the atmosphere is going to have a different level of juice to it. But those moments have become too infrequent, I should say, for me. And now we sit here on the precipice of another Final Four. Saturday is going to be a, a time where people are gathered around the televisions because it's in our blood to do so. But, you know, even if the games are, are fun, just going into it, there isn't that, there isn't that, that zing, you know, there isn't that, that, that charge. There isn't that electricity that I felt. And maybe because I covered some and maybe because, you know, I've been so front facing with the pro game as of, you know, the last half decade or so with me, I don't know if my tastes have changed or seeing basketball played at a different level or with certain things that are just not a part of it. It's hard for me to, to aesthetically appreciate that and the familiarity factor. I don't want these kids to have to stay in school any more, any, any longer than they have to. I don't, I don't, but there was something to seeing a kid in his third year and what he had become from his freshman year, from the time you saw him without a weight program, without a diet, you know, that was, you know, sustainable enough for a college athlete, like those things, seeing the work getting put in physically and mentally, and then seeing the story complete itself before they go off to get drafted. Now, I'm not saying that I want kids to stay in school any longer than they have to. Not at all. But what we're seeing now is with Scoot Henderson in the G League, with the G League Ignite, and the big Frenchman, Wemby, getting ready to come over here, and the three best players right now in the NBA not being of here. Hey, man, college basketball has become the 4A sport. Remember, remember we talked about 4A players in baseball back in the day? We're good enough to get out of the minors, but not good enough to succeed on the major league level. That's what we're watching on the college basketball level. Now we're watching a whole bunch of rotation players, maybe a franchise player here and there. It's not like it used to be for a bunch of different reasons. And we'll see when we get a bigger sample size of what the NIL and, and, and those measures have done to kids staying in school, maybe easing some of the financial burden that these families are under when they send, you know, what will be the main breadwinner off. To, to whatever college campus he or she decides to land at, but it's missing something for me, man. And the and the women's game is not. I'm taking in South Carolina, Iowa. I, I'm I'm getting ready to watch Virginia Tech to see if a number one seed could be, you know, can can, can get the upset, which sounds crazy. Right. Like I'm I'm taking I, I'm I'm taking a look at Kim Mulkey's strategies. I, I know how she feels about certain things. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about basketball-wise. This is a coach who garners a lot of attention, who's a big personality. Like, these are the things that I'm drawn to. Entertain me. And for whatever reason, no, nah, not for whatever reason, for some very specific reasons, the male college game has not entertained me. So, yeah, there's going to be some fun had at a Final Four this weekend. I think more of it's going to be on the women's side than the men's side. It's the full goal, baby! Well, that's all the time we have for episode 226 of the Full Go Podcast. And we have a special guest for us uh, on episode 227. I'll let y'all wait. If you've been listening to the last few episodes, you understand why episode 227 is important. So make sure you guys are tuned in on Sunday. We appreciate you, as always, for hanging us 
hanging us. <laughs> we appreciate you as always for hanging out with us on, on Therapy Thursdays here on the Full Go Podcast. See, I'm back to that feature in MLB the Show 23 that, that I know they don't have in there. That's where my mind was just now. Uh, we want to thank our production staff as always, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the great hair of my main man Chris Sutton. Haven't seen him in a while. Uh, he is here slumming it with us because uh, the active Jesse Lopez Lopez is doing more important things with more important pods right now. And uh, we will uh, we will reveal who our special guest is on Sunday. You know, it's a name that I usually mention right here. And we'll we'll kind of run down to you why that person is a special guest on episode 227. Uh, so thank you to Chris. Thank you to Jesse. Of course, thank you to Steve Srudy. And thank you for listening to this thing. Thank you for downloading this thing. Thank you so much for subscribing to it, sharing it with your family and friends, rating and reviewing it, giving it the five stars that you know it needs. If not, we will see you in the streets. Uh, make sure you keep the voicemail line close to you because I have a question for y'all. The voicemail line is 773-359-3103, 773-359-3103. I want your most memorable opening day story, all right? And understand, this is uncensored, it's unfiltered. So whatever that means to you out there. But for next pod, I want to amass a few phone calls, the most entertaining ones, uh, the most interesting ones, uh, hell, the most fun ones. But the most memorable opening day for you as a Chicago Cubs or Chicago White Sox fan. So send those submissions to 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. We will holler at y'all on Sunday for episode 227. Thank you to Chris. Thank you to Steve. Thank you, of course, to Jesse Lopez. And thank you for hanging out with us. As always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other. Be safe. And remember to stay sucker free.